make sure history never forgets the name. Sci-fi melody. Got out. Mom, can I please go play the Zodiac Task Force game? The Last Starfighter, the video game? Well, I, I like the movie. Let's see how the game is. Whoa, the frontier coming at me. Dodge, left, right, up, down. Watch the lasers, watch the lasers, fire some rockets. They're coming at me fast. Avoid the obvious sex joke. Gotta use the death blossom, death blossom, death blossom. There's the command ship. I'm going in. How can I avoid that sex joke? You like that game? Oh, man, that and the obvious innuendos. In a galaxy of video games, the last one you'll ever need is the last Starfighter, the arcade game. On Atari 2600, 5200, and ColecoVision. Who bought a ColecoVision? Sci-Fi Malady, Symptom 265, The Last Starfighter. <laughs> Welcome back. Oh, <coughs> that was hard. Uh, laughing <laughs> like Greg. Okay, anyway, welcome back, sickies, to another November for Nostalgia November. This month actually comes to us courtesy of uh, Ruck's idea, so thanks a lot, Ruck. And it was the idea that let's give the fans the say on this one. The fans or anyone on the um, Raving Lunatic Discord community. And I think, for one, that's a great idea because some of these topics are ones I've wanted to cover, but they didn't fit neatly into my categories. And since I am an obsessive slave to alliteration, that's the way it is. So, um, and so we are starting this month off with, we uh, did a survey actually on our Discord page of what you would like to see. Sickies, if you haven't entered so, go to the ZT uh, Raving Lunatic Media general Discord chat. Give a suggestion. What did you like? What sci-fi film or show did you grow up with that you really are having fond, nostalgic memories for that you'd like us to cover? Or you could also go to our website to do that, which um, Scott will tell you about later. But in the meantime, we're going to start off with The Last Starfighter, which is incidentally one I wanted to do for... Uh, what is it for juvenile june i really wanted to do that one but the problem is um it like i don't know it it just didn't work out we just ran out of time it would have so fit really very well it would have fit very well but we just ran out of time but that's okay so because we got to do this and uh Thanks to recommendation member, I'm just going to use the, uh, well, I guess I could do it. He put it out there, but this was recommended by bone 13 on the discord server. And he actually is in the, um, the, uh, oh shoot. What am I all of a sudden thinking? ZTF. Oh boy. I'm going to get it for that one. <laughs> I forgot our, like, are you the beta unit? What's that? Are you the beta unit? Oh, you know what? He's maybe he forgot to pitch ZTF, so I think maybe we caught him. <laughs> yeah, you're right. Maybe. Uh, oh, jeez. But yeah, no, that was um, 
whoopsie. But anyway, so Bone 13, he plays Jekt as part of the uh, Anikto squad on Zodiac Task Force, which, by the way, that should be dropping sometime this week if you're tuning in. Uh, live action that should be dropping this week first week in november thank you rook and so there's the ad read there's the ad read so we're finally getting back to ztf but so uh bone 13 jacked this is for you so the last starfighter i remember seeing the ads for this in old comic books and when i finally got to see it this was what i called um saturday afternoon after flea market movie when i was a kid because we'd go to the memphis drive-in flea market saturday morning i remember that come flea home. market yeah and then we'd come home and there'd be something on tv for you know good for uh the kids and i remember that's when i first saw this and wow for the time it was made i think it's safe to say that it blew a lot of minds um assuming you saw it you know i think Everybody was more into Star Wars by that time, but there was some really, for the time, pioneering effects. I wonder and, if the kids uh, today know what a flea market is. <laughs> no, probably. I mean, I don't know. Are we talking okay, so long before, before COVID or after COVID? Long before um, the mall kiosks appeared in every single mall in America. Flea markets are still around. Those used to those used to rent boots in an outdoor parking lot on a Saturday and Sunday afternoon. Well, I mean, now they've just moved still indoors around. to the mall kiosks, which sold yeah, me a useless six twenty one and uh, one Nintendo, which broke on my second play. Okay, every okay, sickies. Before we go on with the episode, Scott needs to vent about this, and it's a righteous, righteous gripe and a product warning. So, Scott, what do you want Look, to? Man, it it looked it was too good to be true. Well, first of all, back that back up, back that up. What did you buy? I bought a knockoff made in China, six hundred and twenty-one games in one Nintendo Entertainment console system. Uh, it worked. Very well the first day I played it, and I played a couple games of Tecmo Bowl on a perfect emulator. Then I played the emulator of Tetris, which was anything but Tetris. Then I scrolled across quite a few games that I'm very positive never existed in America on the Nintendo, and then I came across things like Mario 15. And I'm like, okay, now I'm positive none of this works. But when I really should have known, as soon as, well first, I should have known when the mall kiosk said, no returns, just exchanges. And then I should have known that when I opened up the box, there was a big piece of paper that says HD applies to demo game is in HD. Because the outside of it advertised <laughs> that you paid $10 more to get the HD version. And there was a big piece of paper inside the box that said HD applies to demo game. <laughs> Did you bother seeing where this came from? China. Uh, well, I, I played the display game, which was working, and played showed a perfect emulator of Mario Brothers, and it had Zelda, and it had Tecmo Bowl, and it had Contra, and the, the big-ticket emulator games looked right. And, and where was this that you played it? Great Northern. And it had okay. four stars out of five on Amazon. So I was like, okay, this looks like it, you know, okay, might be a legit, you know. I mean, it's, it's, it's not legit. It's certainly not licensed by Nintendo, but... um. I was like, okay. So, 
I played it once and now it just sits at the loading screen uh, showing me options, but neither of the controllers work. And you can't even open up the lid and blow in the, in the game because that's just there for decoration. It doesn't even open. I see. Well, uh, so if you gain nothing from today's symptoms, sickies, it's don't buy that. Avoid mall kiosks at all costs. <laughs> so getting back to it. The basic story is that Alex Rogan is a teenager living in a trailer park who's kind of got nothing going on in his life except for being really good at this video game called Starfighter, an arcade game. And everyone else is bad at it except him. And he dominates this game. He beats it. And once he does, he is visited by a guy named Centauri whose car takes off and takes him into space where he winds up in space at the star league's headquarters and finds out that yes, the truth is out there and there's a bunch of aliens and they're all meeting because there was an Excalibur test that was designed to look for the best starfighters in the galaxy to go after the Kodan Armada against Zur, the evil emperor and the Kodan Armada. And so Alex, uh, he's not really into this. He's not having it. And meanwhile, while he's out in space trying to avoid his responsibilities, there is a beta version of Alex, one that um, it's an android that takes his shape and fills in for him while he's gone. Because unlike other alien races, which are well aware of the uh, Starfront, Star Alliance, and totally cool with it. Um, he, he and everybody knows and they don't need a beta unit he needs a beta unit so they could keep earth in the dark because reasons so and there's some hilarity ensues as the beta unit tries to interact with uh his alex's girlfriend and other things but eventually alex gets his way and they take centauri takes him home where he avoids an assassination attempt sent by zur and uh meanwhile while he's gone too a traitor within the ranks of the star league open up a he's a spy and he opens up knocks out the defenses so that zur can launch an attack on their star league base and kill all the starfighters which are the special pilots so alex after surviving an assassination attempt is talked into going back at which point he realizes his, I guess, pilot, you might say. Um, oh, what's the pilot's name? I suddenly forget now. Gergi. Grig. 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 With his 6,000 Griglets. Yes. Grig, his pilot, basically meets up with them and says, all right, we're going to go out and we're going to beat the Armada. And then Alex learns he's the last starfighter, literally. So they go out. They defeat the command ship, save the day, and Alex winds up going back home. Goes back home, meets his girlfriend. The tr folks of the trailer park are surprisingly okay with the fact that Alex and his girlfriend are going to head out into space to rebuild the Star League. Oh, and a uh, fun fact of the plot. The arcade was supposed to wind up in Vegas and accidentally wound up in the trailer park. Lucky they made that mistake. Okay, so the fun facts of this, and there's a good one for Scott at the end here. I'm, I'm tempted to see if he catches it, all right? 
But the first Doesn't one. Does it have to do with the space car? No, but that's a good one. The space car is based on a DeLorean. I, I said, man, this is a modified DeLorean. It, it sure is. Uh, the visual effects were made by a Cray XMP computer. It was one of the first heavily CGI films out there. Wasn't that one of the first supercomputers, too? I just remember people talking about Cray XMPs at one I point. I don't know. Ask, ask Thomas. He would know better. I do not know which one this was made. Okay. Well, it was one of the first heavily CGI computer um, films out there. So, um, then, according to the screenwriter, Jonathan Betoil, I guess that's how you say it, uh, he came up with the idea after reading The Once and Future King, he was watching a kid play a video game and doing really well, and he decided, what if the arcade game were like Excalibur? And that the person who did really well was like drawing that, and then the universe would that would create a ripple effect across the universe for starfighters to all come together to combat evil. And that's why the, the video game is called the Excalibur Protocol. So, or Excalibur Test, excuse me. So, neat idea, honestly. I gotta say, that was a neat concept. Um, so, and then also just a couple more. The number of scenes with a beta unit were made after filming was complete because they did a couple of them early on and test audiences really liked them. So he was like, oh, I guess we should do more of that. The director because it tested so well. Well, also that he had to wear a wig because of a disease he had afterwards that's right i remember i did there was that as well but uh uh so let's see uh just a couple more uh no i'm gonna skip that one the atari produced games for its 5200 super system and 400 and 800 series home computers as tie-ins with this movie but they never actually went past the prototype phase so the commercial you heard at the beginning well, they were non they were as non-existent as the ColecoVision's dynamite sales. Listen, allow me to quote the crying wrestling fan. It's still real to me. It was real in my head. <laughs> I believed it. I saw the commercial. I put everything I had into my method acting to believe I saw that game, which tells you why I'll never be an actor. Okay. Well, that's uh, okay. So the um Lance guest who plays um, Centauri, he was actually chosen to play this after being in Halloween 2. Which kind of is, um, you know, that's fine. I just threw that in because it's almost Halloween when we're recording this. That's a weird, um, that's a weird way to get a uh, coming of age family movie. Oh, I'm sorry. By the way, Lance Guest. Lance Guest was not Centauri. He was Alex. Excuse me. Yeah, but so. I mean, still, that's a weird way to land the leading role in a in a family friendly kids film about a coming of age story. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I saw your role in uh, Friday the Thirteenth Part Seven. I think you would be <laughs> excellent in this uh, My Little Pony After School special. The way you were slaughtered just 
you you really sold it. <laughs> um, couple more. Zur, the evil Zur Emperor, was uh, supposed to be Robin Williams until he passed on it. Thank God. Uh, <laughs> um, according to Twitter, which take this with a colossal grain of salt, a reboot is in the works. Let's hope not. It let's might just, or might not. Yeah, let's let's hope not. Um. Then uh, let's see. Oh yeah, they were going to make toys for this. Galoob was set to make toys, assuming that they would make a killing. But then last minute, someone was like, "No, nah, this isn't going to make any money." And then they the movie came out, and it was probably good enough to make toys. But by that point, they'd already scrapped the production process, so they just never came to it. Um. The last one I'm going to aim for here is directly for you, Scott. Let me ask here. Do you know, tell me, who is Meg Wiley? I do not know. Okay, you might know her as Granny Gordon. Oh, okay. Okay. Who, who's Granny Gordon? Nope. Okay, let's bring her back. She has something to do with the Talosian Keepers. Oh, wow. She's in, she's in the pilot episode of The Cage of TOS? Yep. Wow. There were a number of Star Trek people in this film. One of them would be Meg Wiley, who played Granny Gordon, one of the Talosian Keepers in the in TOS series The Cage. You want to fill us in what's that about? Well, that was... Uh... That was the the lost pilot, Gene Roddenberry's first attempt to get Star Trek onto TV with Captain Christopher Pike and his wife, Majel Barrett, in the role of number one, who didn't have a name. Um, and uh, the Talosians use their mind power to make you believe you're seeing things that aren't there. Uh, they can even do it. There's a, there's a survivor who crashed. And they make her believe that after they fixed her, she's not horribly disfigured and in pain because they didn't know how to put her back together by altering her memories. They can make you feel pain, joy, happiness, love, uh, whatever they feel like. Uh, they just can't. It fails when you get angry thoughts in your mind. Primitive thoughts they can't push through and push around because they can't understand them. Okay. Uh, there's also a guy named Dan Mason. You might know him better as Echolon. Okay. Boy, God. no, you're you're destroying my Star Trek trop, chops today. Okay, he was in the Next Generation episode when the bow breaks. Oh, yeah, that's the one where uh, they they find the the planet of Aldea and they kidnap uh the Enterprise kids and Wesley Crusher, right? I don't know. I'm asking you. Yeah, that's the one that uh, that is that is also the one where uh, the the guy from X Files, uh, Deep Throat, is the main character and the leader of that planet. Okay, and you don't know who Akalon is. I do not remember who Akalon is. He was a minor guest character in there, though. I do know that. So. Oh, okay. Unless he's actually uh, Deep Throat, and Deep Throat was in this movie, but I didn't recognize that voice. Okay, all right. Uh, well, there's another character that was in this, uh, Barbara Boson. 
she appeared as Roana mm. in DS9. You know what? Okay. In the episode Rivals. Yeah, you, you got me on that one. You finally stumped the Trekkie. I know I've wow. seen the episode, and uh, I just can't place this character. Okay. Wow. But, but I, look, I, I love Deep Space Nine. I've seen it multiple times through, but only probably like three or four times through, whereas Next Gen, mm -hmm. I've seen every episode a hundred times. Okay. Well, hang on. Hang on. There's a couple more. Let's see here, because they borrowed from Star Trek a lot. Uh, we also have Norman Snow, who... <clears throat> excuse me. Uh, Norman Snow played as... Let's see here. I'm trying to find it. Oh, boy. This is interesting. He played... It was in Next Gen, so you'll probably get this. Uh, he played Torin in the episode The Rightful Heir. Oh, that was... Uh is he one of that's the one where they find Kaless. They re they clone Kaless, correct? He's got to be one of the Klingons. Uh, yes, he was a Klingon. He was a Klingon. That's right. Wow, we are really it's killing him. No, 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 no. I know this one, the rightful heir. He's a uh but he was definitely one of the one of the background actors in here um in in this episode. But they find Kaless. Or they, they, the Kalos is supposed to come back and they clone Kalos to be the, uh, he's the greatest Klingon of all time, but they want him to be the emperor of the Klingon Empire and provide stability that some of the, the faction and the, the, uh, splitting after the Civil War caused. Gowron doesn't mm -hmm. like it, but eventually at the end of the episode, he will, he will bow to Kalos. Um, I think Torin was one of the monks on the Klingon planet of Borath where they found, uh, where the emperor Kalos returned and, you know, they cloned him in a vat. Okay. Um, and the last, well, there's two more people. The next one is uh, Jeffrey Blake, who played as Arjun in DS9. The episode is Playing God. Do you know it? Nope. I know the name. I, I mean, I recognize the name. That one I can't tell you anything about. I got to admit it. I gotta admit it, I can't tell you about that character. If I look it up real quick, I probably can. Uh, let okay. Me see. Well, uh, don't bother, don't bother. Just trust me on that one. Because the last one you will definitely know from Star Trek is Will Wheaton. Oh! W will Wheaton is in this movie? Barely. He had speaking scenes, but they were deleted. Ah. However, early in the movie, he runs around the trailer park in a red football jersey. And in the final scene, he's obscured wearing a blue jacket standing behind Lewis Rogan. Aha. Uh, so if you don't, you know, but Will Wheaton is in this barely. So I do remember Arjun now. Um, he was a Trill symbiont um, and, and Dax had to teach him what, you know, put him through the, the, uh, the Trill, it's kind of like your internship, and if you're going to be a symbiont candidate, because there's not enough symbionts for everyone, so they weed these people out, and it has, uh, it has Dax addressing the fact that Curzon pretty much ran her out of the symbiont program, but eventually got her back in. He was hard on her, but it made her better, and she's trying to do the same thing to Arjun. I, I remember it now, but 
It took me okay, a so, to refresh the memory. So for our Star Trek sickies, <coughs> everything he just said will make sense to you. Yeah, no, it's not a good uh, day for me on the on the Star Trek sickie thing. Like, trust me, I watched a ton yeah, of Star you're Trek. You're failing. This has never <laughs> happened. I know we're, we caught you on a bad day, but I, let, let's let's try to redeem it. Your favorite TOS episode? Oh, um, the Corbinite maneuver. Okay, favorite next gen episode. Um, I do believe that. Uh, that's toss up. I mean, it, it it really is. I know we went with tapestry, and I know we went with um, defector. Measure of a man. Yeah, a measure of a man. Measure of a man was in there, and we had to go with best of both worlds because you can't not go with best of both worlds. Mm-hmm. Okay, and DS Nine. Oh, that is um, in the pale moonlight. That is my favorite that, single episode that. of Star Trek. Okay, that is his favorite period. Okay, so yeah, that one, and that's crazy because Deep Space Nine. I've said this before. Deep Space Nine is is probably the best series of Star Trek that's been made. It's not my favorite because I grew up on Star Trek with Next Gen, but In the Pale Moonlight is is fantastic. And if you don't know what I'm talking about, that's the one where the Romulan senator goes, "It's a fake," and it's, it's actually you should actually you should go back and listen to our review of that episode from Trekking Into the New Year. So yep, so. They can go back and do that, which brings up to interesting point before we get to rips and picks. One of the things I discovered when I put the survey out, what's which what are you nostalgic for inside terms of sci-fi? There were so many people giving recommendations for things we had already done. And I was just going I was just telling people, oh, well, that was symptom 77. That was symptom 123. That was this month. Someone said, um, a dune from uh uh oh, what was the one for the 80s um who made that i suddenly forget <clears throat> um who's the guy that made dune in the 80s um uh, whoever that was uh we did all of those things and it was like oh well i can't believe we've covered so much so that's a that's a very good thing as Scott just pointed out. So let's get to our fun tradition of rips and picks of this show, of this. You ready, Thomas? Absolutely. I got a big one. Oh, okay. Well, I, okay. Yeah, I got, but let me start off because I have a pick. I want to make sure I get in there. The vocabulator used in the Armada ship. I, I think that's so fun. I love listening to those little androids speak with that like classical 1980s. This is how we think computers are going to sound in the future. You know, it's always fun to go back and watch how we thought the future would look. And you mean, uh, the light bright. Yeah, and they're exactly, and their mouths look like a light bright while they they their vocabulator does this gurgly sound of speech. And sure, back then probably that's how computers did speak. Assuming they weren't going like, did you ever play bad dudes on Nintendo? Yeah, the entire space station was just full of light bites, basically. Oh yeah, that's the cheapest way to do it, of course. I mean, it beats glue and uh, spree and Jolly Ranchers to a plastic sheet like in Star Trek, but um, Uh, yeah. 
but still, yeah, I really love the vocabulator. I think that was just super fun. Total pick for me. What you got, Thomas? All right. So here's a, just a few of them. Your defense station, which giant, good guy, good work, guys. Let's put all our fighters in one place. That, that's a brilliant idea. Let's have all of them in one place so they can be destroyed real easy. Someone's thinking there. But then we're going to have defenses on it. Great. So when w things get launched at it, we just activate the defenses and we'll be fine. If the defenses could hit anything... <laughs> they can't because the plot says so. Well, not just that, but it's like, wow, your defenses are awful. But don't worry. It's not, we didn't just rely on their defenses sucking. We also have a saboteur inside. It also okay. wasn't like that the meteors were coming in and you had all your uh, super talented, gifted, rare starfighters uh, there to that could have been scrambled to their ships to fight off the asteroids instead of waiting for them to come in and destroy the only thing between you and Oblivion? Yeah. yeah. Well, don't worry, it gets better because, don't worry, you, your super safe star base where you have all your fighters absolutely has no security. Because, you know, the guy walking around suspiciously with something that looks suspiciously like a big bomb it's can't so be stopped by security because we don't have security. Yeah. Sure you do. They're just all at the front gate. They're just all at the front gate because enemies can't possibly come from within. Well, yeah. I mean, well, security, actually they, can. They, they just let they random space because, cars in. Yeah. Also, they can because, look, the enemy can just beam him, his transmission straight in. That's true. But that's a transmission. I'm What's so a fifth? A fifth column? There's well, not, a fifth column? Well, not just that, but if you you allow the enemy unencrypted access to your <laughs> yeah. data to be able to stream live on your network. Then why do you even need a saboteur at that point? Just be like... Yeah. Okay, we launched the meteors. Their cannons are coming online. No, I don't think they'll be doing that. <laughs> yeah, yes. just I'll send that message saying delete <laughs> command prompt. Delete yeah. protocol. I was watching the camera that I angled over the shoulder of the station that controls the access code for the dis for the uh, defense lasers, and I I copied it. And uh, yes, um, summer one two three exclamation point is not a strong password. <laughs> lasers three two one boom is not strong that part is that still technically would be america's nuke launch codes for a while <laughs> nuke go boom two eight nine uh, yeah a little worse than that i won't tell you you how bad it was you'll blanch but no i, I don't want to hear <laughs> but no that's one. a good point that's a good point yeah yeah what's this up? is another rip i have mm -hmm. our super weapon is just spin and circle and smash a and shoot in every direction and hope to god you hit something yes not just then, that but also we're going to spin at super fast speeds i'm sorry i've seen nothing in this universe that says that speed is negated that gravity and relevant is not that guy is right now dead because his brain just got smooshed against the side of his skull he's you know, dead you know what i i like this thing and at least they have the decency to say well I mean, it's never been tested so 
you know, not tested. Totally Who not came up with that brilliant idea? Yeah. Our super weapon is just spin we, in circle and shoot. We added, we added it and uh, kind of really didn't think about it. And you know, the only way it works. We didn't have time to test it, so, uh, you know, good luck. The only way that super weapon works is when you're by yourself and individually, because otherwise, hey, my wingman just activated his <laughs> super weapon. Oh, good thing. Uh -oh. Good thing the death blossom is. They, it didn't come with that warning, love. Hey, what's this thing with all the crosses on it? Oh, that's the weapon we added. That, to be honest with you, I don't even know what we were thinking. But the guys in engineering put it there, and we can't really use it. Really, if we were attacking in a in a squadron, this would be totally useless. It's it's the kamikaze weapon. We're only using that if it's desperate. Because yeah, it would be like lighting your fire. It, it should really just be called the friendly fire cannon. Right. It would be like lining your firing squadron up in a circle. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's it's. It reminds me of all those movies set during like the 18th century or before or the 19th century where they do ranks of fire, but they make sure that the guys standing in the first rank are standing up <laughs> so that the guys in the second rank, when they open fire, no, it's okay, we'll just shoot between them. You're assuming no one's going to like twitch to the left, right? You're, you're just assuming that the bullets and the musket balls will just cleanly pass between the ranks of bunched up soldiers. Yeah, yeah, that'll work. Great plan. I see nothing wrong with this. What could go wrong? Well, again, this is... We're talking about the military geniuses that obviously should be defeated because militarily, this group is the worst guys ever. I mean, honestly, Luck. if you, this is your military, you deserve to just not exist because I'm good grief. Why I'm thinking what happened is they recruited that the the uh, um, armada recruited their current pilots from current day Russia. <laughs> did you so? Did you ever because, think of a? Oh, go ahead. No, I'm just guessing they like went in, conscripted them, and the guys were like, "Uh, I don't want to be here, and I don't know how I'm doing this, and um, I'm attacking who now." <laughs> Well, the bad guys are bad enough. I mean, they're just... We're bad guys, and we have a mall? A shopping mall ship? Yeah. Ah, yes. Hey, again, that was what they imagined the future to be. I'm not going to criticize that because that's like punching down and going, why didn't they know better? Could agree, but why on earth are we now got melee weapons that we're relying on? Because they look cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Also, just a just a tip, guys. <clears throat> if any aliens are hearing this broadcast, I'm going to let you in on a little secret. Do not use your recruiting tool as a video game. Because what you will get, <laughs> you're going to either get the 12 year old boy, because you got lucky getting a man who yeah. was from a trailer park. <clears throat> More than likely, you'll get a 12-year-old boy. You will either get that, or you will get the troll. Or the yeah. hacker. All of which you probably don't want. I don't know. It worked yeah. out well in Ender's game. Again, exception. <laughs> yeah, you, I'm just you'll thinking... You'll get the troll no. that... You, when you this give is, the, don't do this. This is not a recommendation. Because not a viable method of you're recruitment. Gonna have to, you're going to have to... Uh, your your starfighters rations might have to be <coughs> peanut butter cups. 
<laughs> now, I will say I do like the idea conceptually. Conceptually for the oh, film, yeah. it works fine. But it's, and that's oh, yeah. why I'm not going to rip on oh, that. Because we're, we're just doing the stuff that we usually do. Like, uh, right, you don't right. have a fallback I, hanger. You're going to put all of your super advanced starfighters that the the dozen that the entire existence of the of the freedom of the galaxy. There's no fallback spot. You didn't. What get, could go you wrong? Have, you've mastered interstellar travel. You can only make twelve of these things. Also, I also love that the new prototype has reinforced uh, armor, so it can take a few direct hits. What could yeah. go wrong with that? I mean, well, it, not just that. Put, yeah, yeah. Bucks, put all your eggs in one basket. I mean, that's the safest way to go about it, right? So instead of building more than twelve of our best fighters, because apparently we can't build more than twelve, we're going to dedicate a massive amount of our resources on building this video game before Christmas. And developing it on a basic planet that has not gotten space travel to possibly get a pilot from there. Well, let me say, I love, okay, I, I, I actually love this part of it. I love that yeah. Centauri, Centauri is the con man's con man. He sends me back to poverty. And he says he thinks I'm giving him a gift. Um, he is, this is like that guy who played that role. I think it's Robert Preston is famous for playing the con man. Um, yeah, he is. He is definitely the old school. People don't act like him anymore. He's over the top, almost to a Rodney Dangerfield type over the top in some ways with how he hams it up. But it, it, they see him and they're like, oh, what scam did Centauri bring in this time? And everyone knows to look at him, you know, like cross eyed, you know, like he's he's you're, you're watching for when he's going to stab you in the back when he's screwing you out of money. And he's he's not doing any of this for for uh <laughs> Centauri put the video game together because it was the only chance he had to make a buck. This is a man who's he's a, he's a, he's a failed inventor. It's kind of like if you remember the episode of The Simpsons where Homer's got his brother who loses everything and then is trying all his crackpot inventions to, you know, he's like Doc Brown before he invents the time machine. But this one, he might have this one. And then it goes wrong anyway, and it doesn't go to Vegas where it was supposed to be. But this is his one ticket. Like like Colonel Sanders at sixty hitting it big, franchising his uh, Kentucky Fried Chicken. This is it, and I love it because everything everything is in on this. And he's trying to make uh, Alex think that this is all about uh, the the benefit of society. But then he says, "Never hurts to be rich," and that's all it really is about. And it's it's just unabashed materialism. And I love the whole way that's acted. It's a breath of fresh air into the entire movie. Yeah, his, his character definitely is a big pick. Uh, I would say that about the acting in general. None of it was off. Yeah, Greg is ridiculous, but you kind of like the... <laughs> which goes back, you know, the director picking up from their childhood in the best of ways. I love that when um, you, you said they're surprisingly cool, everyone except Granny. Granny just, Granny's just walking around the trailer park with a shotgun at all times. Yeah, Granny, put that I mean, it's just down. These are funny. Th oh, just the uh, you know, uh, what's his little brother's name, Mac or something? Shut up, or I'll tell mom Lewis. about your playboys, Lewis. I'll oh, shut up, Lewis, or I'll tell mom about your playboys. Alex, you should be doing that anyway, <laughs> Lewis. I know you're trying to be the cool older brother, but Lewis is way too young for a collection <laughs> of playboys. Even trying to that, be the so, cool older brother, Lewis is like seven. Not just one, not just one, a collection, a collection. Which is like, where does he get those from? You know what? Never mind. It's just a gag. Just go with it. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it's really a lot of... Um, it, 
the act and then the beta unit how it's desperately trying to like figure out okay how like the scene with laughter oh i should be laughing right now oh okay fine <laughs> it's it's like he's just it's <laughs> that, that it's funny because it's the fish out of water thing but it's an android that doesn't get human behavior so it's desperately trying to figure out the only time it perks up as a human is when it tells Alex, you should go back into space where you have a fighting chance. So, um, but that, th I'm glad they added the beta scenes in there. Oh yeah. It's good Plus I like the concept how they, I'd like, I, I like the concept there where, you know, oh, that's my friend here. Shake hands with him. And he did. And then it sparked and like took a sampling of his DNA and then it shaped like Alex. I thought that was neat. I really, loved the translator i really wish that was a thing where there's the alien speaking to him and then she just puts that translator on his uh, collar and he understood everything and that's his wishful thinking but or just the way he he steps on an alien's well foot and he's like sorry i stepped on your tentacle <laughs> i'm just going to say I don't think that was his tentacle. It reminds uh, me a lot of that the, was a the, that was a very high speech, uh, high pitched scream that. Yeah. Well, have. I mean, you never know. Remember, That's Star Trek Six, Kirk says, "And look, yeah. that thing had knees." And she goes, "Not every not everybody keeps genitals it. in the same place." <laughs> yeah. So, right, and that could have been, but just little things like that that basically showed Alex's really disoriented here and and also this isn't a ripper pick it's more an observation when he beat the game and the whole trailer park turned out to watch him it's like wow your lives are the most dull thing in the world Comanche, watching is that good the kid watching a kid beat a video game is the coolest thing you guys have ever seen as of late I told you that boy's going wow that I mean, paint drying must be a sport in your trailer park. You know, the, that's the only was, thing I can imagine. This was the late 80s, and I do remember if you knew someone on your street was about to beat the game, you did come watch. Not the adults yeah, kids, so much, but... Not the adults, like... I mean, the adults had better things to do. Yeah, well, Elvira had Apparently to watch her <laughs> Not, not here, not in this trailer park where it was like, hey, uh, that kid's beating the video game up front that just showed up one day and nobody can beat. Let's well, go mean, check that out. Their conversations are so the same every day. Alex is lip syncing them at the first. Uh, it's going to be a, a hot summer, according a nice summer, according to the Farmer's Almanac. I love the Farmer's Almanac. Been reading it for years. And he's just he's saying the whole conversation as it goes on. Elvira, mm -hmm. Rita, Elvira's going to go crazy if you don't see her soaps. <laughs> We, we could play cards tonight. Yeah, we played cards yesterday. It's, it's showing you this bored, dull monotony of life. and uh, That he's I, trying to get out of. I loved it. I, I absolutely... It was, I loved the tropey comedy to it and, and the over-the-top... Um, <clears throat> life is not like that, but in some ways, life is like that. You're just going All through right. routine, and you're Especially doing... It is your routine. Especially back then, without the internet and TV, well, uh, 
all of those people there probably were lined upon an antenna so you better hope to god nothing goes wrong there and if it does you got to climb on the roof and mess with it with a roll of tinfoil uh i mean it and if that didn't work you had to use your radio and if that didn't work well there's always that wall i just painted well so I, it, it's a trailer park i mean what else is there right right yeah there's and you're with a it's not apparently a bunch of kids there so yeah no i think it's a wonderful coming of age story and and like this is just right. a pick it's it's a simple story that doesn't try to be anything more than it needs to be at, at any point and in I, time uh boy meets girl boy loves girl boy wants more out of life than small town life girl doesn't want more out of just enjoys her small town life and and you know you get the 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 advice at the beginning you will have your chance to have fun you will have your chance to make a difference grab it and hold it with both hands and and it's still, you know, it's a, a wonderful thing that he doesn't see it when it hits. The, he's not Which, realizing it's his chance. He doesn't realize until the very end what has been put in front of him and that this is what he was told about at the beginning. And then she takes the leap of faith. But it is this, it's a true classic, wonderful <clears throat> coming of age story for a young adult where you don't know what you want to do. You know you want to do something. You don't want to live the same boring, monotonous life that everyone else is, but you have no idea what you really want to do. And then it clicks into place, and you almost lose it before you realize that's what you want. And some people never have that moment of clarity. But in this movie, I mean, it, it doesn't try to be anything more than it is. Which brings me to the final question here about this. Y you called it. This is a simple story that effectively delivers the message it wants to deliver without getting hyper-complex or complicated. <clears throat> when you consider the current spate of shows, I'm going to use Andor as the prime example. One of the things I hear a lot about Star Wars Andor is that it's the adult version of Star Wars. It's grown up. It's gritty. It's adult. It's grounded. Oh, I hate that term, grounded, by the way. It's a meaningless term that nobody can define. It's just used to make something sound better than it might be. But um, you just, it's grounded, it's adult, it's grounded, it's adult. It's complicated, it has messages. And while Andor's not bad, it's good. And I think the last episode was probably the best one. There's a reason it's not generating any buzz outside of the Star Wars fandom because it's slow, prodding the same old gritty, dark, gray thing that they've produced over and over again with the hyper-complex feels, emotions, and plot. Um, so the point I'm getting at is Star Wars, which is something also very simplistic. Are we at a point where we can't do that anymore? Where we just think, well, oh, that's too simplistic, therefore it's infantile, therefore it's bad. Absolutely not. And uh, as an example of why, I give you the entire Marvel Cinematic Universe. Okay. Okay. There's nothing That's to good. those stories. There's nothing deep to those stories. There's nothing lasting to those stories. There's no rewatch. Well, there's a, few, there's a few moments here and there, yeah. like Winter Soldier, but those are highlights. Those aren't Correct. the norm. The Marvel Cinematic Universe is shut your brain off, stare at the screen, and be entertained by big fights, explosions, and, and uh, right. witty one-liners. Now, as of late, it's starting to sink, but up until, we'll say, Endgame. Yeah. 
but I mean, it, there is a there is a push to, and it's still there to make everything gritty and dark. I think we're turning away from it. I think you had um, Game of Thrones and Walking Dead really woke a lot of Hollywood up to the fact that it it hadn't been you hadn't had those type of uh, twists where main characters could die horrifically. Um, and that, that the heroes could lose. But ultimately, it, it's like the same thing. I remember saying once watching Walking Dead, I said, man, if they can't get a victory soon, I'm done watching. Every single week, I watch these guys just get their heads kicked in. So, and, and that's what happened. you just want a feel-good story. And that's what happened in one of the last seasons. Rick just couldn't win. Yeah. Everything was kicking him down. And it's like, you do realize that that's fine early on, but eventually, you know, because the fact of the matter is, real life is full of a bunch of setbacks and kickdowns. This and is people escapism. who just get kicked down com- constantly. I don't need to be reminded of it. Reminding me of it is fine early on, but I do want to win at some point. I want to see Rocky beat Apollo. I don't well, want, it- as much as I can call it cheesy or predictable. You take it away over and over and over again, I lose interest. You do got to wait to the second movie to see Rocky beat Apollo, but y- you get it. Y- yeah. Um, no, but at the same time, I'm glad that grounded, gritty, and grown-up exists, because sometimes I do want that entertainment. And, and, I mean, sometimes I absolutely do, and sometimes I want Rick and Morty. And I mean, yeah, well, um, you got it. Yeah, I'm glad they both exist. And 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 then Rick and Morty isn't even this. I'm glad simple, feel good stories like this exist. You want, and and you know, maybe it's the the brain change and how much will my brain keep changing of being a parent now? But I I want my daughter to be able to watch feel good stories like this that say things work out in the end. you get the guy. You sail off into the sunset happily ever after, you know, and, uh, you know, you can. Your opportunity will come. You will see it. You won't miss it. And you will find the happiness that you need. You'll spread your wings and fly, little angel. Um, those are nice stories to, to, to see, you know. We need more things like the never-ending story at times. We need even more things like Back to the Future. Um, mm-hmm. These stories. The last that, starfighter. The last starfighter. It's, sometimes it's a breath of fresh air. And then sometimes you need to adult it up. But um, I like this is not like one this, of those. I like that films like this exist. I'm glad that it didn't send some dark, gritty message where Alex has to. Um, Alex doesn't fight, but one of the, the Zandos uh, kills his mother. And then he realizes that he has to fight to save his brother and, and Maggie. Maybe he kills Granny. And, you know, that, that tragedy has to make him fight. I like the fact that you only see him hesitate for a second to pull the trigger the first time because he realizes it's not a video game and people are going to die. That's a bit of realism, but I like that they just show it to you in a look in his face and then they move beyond it Um, because this film doesn't need that. I don't want to be thinking about the fact that every single time he's pulling the trigger, he's killing sentient, sapient life, even though it is trying to kill him. Had it gone down that route, you ruin this film and now you don't know what and i think that's the big thing mark that we talk about is it okay to just know that we are just a feel-good story here we don't have to have moments of sappy groundedness in any of this you know mm-hmm. okay and i think Hollywood Thomas? forgets that yep I well, it, it all it all depends on what you're trying to do honestly um 
if you're just trying to do a simple paint by numbers feel good for show or movie that's fine as long as that's what you say you're doing and show that you're doing and not everything has to be that and same way everything doesn't have to be super gritty realistic because mm -hmm. yes don't get me wrong sometimes i like my realistic movies or shows where the hero doesn't make it it's sometimes nice because guess what Real life sucks, and sometimes you don't make it. Things right. go bad. <laughs> You're not always, everything's not always rainbow and sunshines, you know? Just ask about a million people out there where they're working a hard job that they hate, or they got divorced, or, you know, things happen. Life sucks. I get it. I do. And sometimes, okay. Sometimes I just want to escape that. I I'll play video games to escape reality because sometimes I just want out of reality because reality sucks right now, and I just want to play my video game where I'm the superhero and get to beat everything. I want my movies sometimes the same way. Yep. Right. I think I Hollywood also needs to go back to remembering in the age of everyone having a podcast or a YouTube channel or a blog and being able to be critics. And, you know, there's three of us. We can be critics of anything we want to. We can be highly critical. We can be highly supportive. That has made, I think, Hollywood rush to try to critic-proof some of their films. Uh, you saw it with the Marvel Cinematic Universe a little bit in the fact that there was a, there was a big element of old-school Hollywood that was just really taking a dump on those movies for lacking substance and being like, you know, like the pop music of of the movie industry. But it's okay. It is okay for a film to have holes in it, not be realistic, not be grounded, not be gritty, and just be entertaining. It's also okay for something to be like Deadpool that's just entertaining because it's stupid and sarcastic. It's okay for something to be Rick and Morty. It's okay for something to be um, Lord X in Star Trek, which is just juvenile fart joke humor. If you know what you're supposed to be, did you give me an entertaining 22 minutes, 30 minutes, hour and a half, two hours of television? Did you put something on my screen which entertained me? Did you put something on my screen that moved me? Did I feel an emotion? Did I smile? Did I laugh? Did I chuckle? Do I feel a little better at the moment in the day? Um, that's a success. You don't have to make me rethink life's existential questions or discover something about myself to have made a good piece of entertainment. And there's such a there's such a push with everyone being a critic almost to put something out like your Shakespeare and it's going to be something that's going to be studied and learned from for the next thousand years <laughs> when you're just trying to give the people if it's a movie they're $12 worth so that they feel like, or these days, they're $27 worth so they feel like they got their, their money and their two hours of escapism. And if you did that, that's okay. Even if it's giant fighting robots that explode. You know, I, I've said that, depending on the product, of course, uh, profundity is the enemy of a lot of writing. Like you just said, Scott, people who really want to make the next Citizen Kane, but then they have to realize you're not writing Citizen Kane. You're writing a story about a guy who goes into space to fight aliens. Uh, you might and have to realize not you're not even capable of writing Citizen Kane. 
there's that too because even even if you could do a citizen kane story with that are you the person who could pull it off um there is such a thing as writing talent and uh, are you it you might have to read and really too quite honestly when you're talking about hits when you're talking about classics like that the people who write them you know tim cask we interviewed him on the show ages and ages ago and he was one of the founders of D. you know he was there with gary gygax at the beginning and he made it clear that at the time they did not think they were writing for posterity when they were making D, they were just trying to make a good product for not only themselves but their fans and that's and it, and that's why they weren't interested in collecting or all oh, these books are going to be worth money or anything like that or we're genius writers no and he said in an interview that if we had been writing like that it would have come across in our work and it wouldn't have gone anywhere but these were guys that if you interview tim or any of them now and ask did you think this train would have taken off the way it had they would have looked at you and they would say no they, if you had told them that you know 20 years in the future or 30 years in the future D would be the top role-playing game and it'd be selling tens of thousands of copies they would have laughed at you and said no way no chance no how our writing would not influence a score of generations of fantasy it would not go on to influence game of thrones or encourage people that you know lord of the rings under peter jackson is a good investment it just wouldn't have happened and if you had told them that in 19 you know 75 76 they would have told you yeah right no way no chance no how same thing with the writers same thing george lucas if you had asked him in 76 when he was making star wars do you know where do you th this is going to go on and become a phenomenon he would have probably told you no the crazy thing is i i think i don't know if star wars gets made today because there's the great uh discussion about how it was saved in the post edit when they reshuffled it around and told well, the story in a different way than lucas wanted sure to. but it, it, it would have got there but with a rewrite to, to sure, up but dialogue the, lines and add some meaning and sure but the, the point is i'm getting at is the people that did the most profound work i don't think realizing they were writing for profundity they were just doing something they liked and they hoped worked well um is it plutarch you know, just, or petrarch who left the note to posterity not everyone can be i think it's plutarch not everyone can be uh you don't leave a note to posterity when you write you just write yeah when I, I, you know, I just saw a video the other day about Alan Moore, the guy who wrote Watchmen, and I don't think he thought that would take off the way it did. I mean, he basically made an agreement with DC, like many comic artists, and got screwed, that, or writers, that uh, as long as DC kept it in print, they, they would retain the rights, but the moment they let it go out of print, um, it would revert back to Alan Moore. Well, Watchmen was such a monumental success that DC, of course, would never stop printing it because they keep making money off of it, which I'm not accusing DC of being evil there, that they're going to make money off of printing it, do it. But um, I don't think Alan Moore thought that would happen. I thought he figured it would have its day in the sun, it would have a couple print cycles, it would go on for a couple years, and then the hype would die down, and, you know, and that's probably what he figured at best would happen 
it in the average it would probably just be moderate success and move on but then it took off and he had no idea and he got screwed out of his own creation and you know i think it's well, more common than that. we think that that writers or creators what they're their best, what people, what their most popular work, or what people say their best work is, is, is oftentimes maybe not their favorite work, and what sure. they think is the best representation. I, I remember Alec Guinness saying, uh, you know, the quote from Alec Guinness saying, "I've got this uh, this movie in America going on that will pay the bills for the summer," and it was Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, you know, yeah. Patrick Stewart so- said the same thing about Next Generation. He was living out of his suitcase because he didn't think it would get through the first season. Right. And, uh, you know, Al, um, Ed O'Neill, yep. when interviewed, asked about Married with Children, they said, hey, did you think it would get this f- get past, get past uh, this many seasons? He said, I didn't think it'd get past six episodes. Yeah. He, thought, uh, this, he thought this would be done after several episodes. Um, and I think that... The brilliance the- of Married with Children. It's, it, it, Married with Children is a simple story. That is, and, and I don't know that sounds stupid, but it knew what it wanted to be. Here's a family that is worse than your family. On this family's best day, it's worse than your family on your family's worst day. So no matter what's going on in your life, you can turn the TV on at 9 o'clock on Sunday night and be entertained by something that's more of a train wreck than your life. You will never have a worse day than Al Bundy does on his best day. Right. And these are the kind of things that, like I said, when you're aiming for profundity, you're probably going to fail. Unless you happen to be, and the idea that, well, I want to write like Nolan. Okay, but there's just one problem. You're not Nolan. No. That you're just, you're not, so don't try. The only experience I'd have with this is, is quick rants. And I wanted to write, like, at, at one point, I, when I would do my rants that weren't so great, I was trying way too hard to be George Carlin or Jim Rome or, you know, some of my other influences. And if I start writing again, I've got to watch that I'm not channeling some of my current influences. When I'm just me and I let it rip, it's much better. You, you, can, only mm-hmm. write, you can only write as you. you. You can want to ape somebody else's style, but you have your own and you have to find your own style as a writer. And Quick Rants is not a story. It's not a novel. It's nothing like that. It's a it's a sequence of that used to exist, and I deleted them all. Something like eighty rants between like ten and fifteen minutes. But it was a style of you writing. Deleted and them there was a process to. Oh yeah, they're all gone. Oh boy, I had okay. a panic moment about the internet and me cursing and uh, you know. Okay, all right. All right. There's like four of them left. Yeah. Oh no, that I thought you meant you even got rid of those. No. But, I okay. mean, it's the only thing I can relate it to when we talk about writing, because it was a writing process. It would take me, you sit down, you write the draft two or three hours, you leave it there, you come back the next day, you polish it, you leave it there, you come back the next day, and you finish it. Uh, and that's just for something that took me 10 to 15 minutes. But um, mm-hmm. you have to write in your own style. You have to know what you want to be. And once you forget what the objective of what you want to do is, and you try to be someone else, then you destroy your own work. And bringing it back to The Last Starfighter, which we keep getting away from, this is an example, I say this often, story knows what it wants to be. Uh, this is an example of someone who knew exactly what story they wanted to tell, didn't care about the hard facts of the science, didn't care about the holes, didn't care about the way it made no sense militarily, or that technology didn't work. A very simple story of wait for your shot and don't be afraid to take your shot when you have it. And they never forgot that. 
and and the result is a thoroughly enjoyable couple hours of entertainment. Okay. Well, I think that's, you know, we've done uh, quite a bit here, but um, any final thoughts before we rate this thing? Or the rating is probably the final thought, so I guess we'll just do that. Um, so, how many, uh, how many... <laughs> Okay, I can only do one Grig laugh. But how many of those do you give? How many Grig laughs do you give this thing? I will give it seven. Seven and a half. Okay. Um, the CGI isn't the best, but this is very important. This did a lot of the CGI work that would become staple. This was a very little and unknown precursor and beginnings of the massive CGI that we now have. Mm -hmm. um, so, you, depending on how you look at CGI, uh, Mark will be cursing this film up and down, and uh, I will be <laughs> saying that this film was a beginning of what of the greatness that was yet to come. No, I, I would agree with you on that. Mo no, I would. Um, it, it's a feel good. It's it's just a stupid feel good movie. Um, nothing about it is profound or deep. Oh, even though Scott could probably make some deep mean, he's made a deep meaning about rock. So, uh, I'm sure he could find some deep meaning. There's but, a deep meaning here, but we don't need to go into it. Nah. <laughs> Grab, grab life by its horns and go for it when you get it. I don't know. But it, it, it's just a feel-good movie. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing. It's not, not one of the top ten must-see films, but I would recommend people see it. Okay. Scott? I'm going to give it an eight. Um, I can't do a grig laugh, but I'll do eight grig laughs on this. Um, Thomas is right. There, there's, there's nothing profound in this movie, and that's great. Because if you tried to make this movie profound, it would ruin it. Um, it's just something that if it was on TV, I'd watch it again. It from from the moment the movie started, I just enjoyed it. Um, it entertained me. I I can't go through. There's nothing this movie does great other than being true to itself and what it's supposed to be in your own writing style. Um, but that's enough. It, sometimes I got really technical on why I rate movies, but sometimes you just watch a film and at the very end of it you say, I was thoroughly entertained and I don't regret that I spent an hour and 40 minutes and three ninety nine to rent this film off of Amazon. And, and at the end of the day, that's a successful, above average, pretty good movie. And uh, doesn't, you know, it doesn't do anything to differentiate itself to a 9 or a 10, but it I left entertained, I chuckled, I cheesed, smiled at a couple places, and um, that's, that's a good viewing experience. It's just a good, wholesome, coming-of-age young adult movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I'd give it an 8. Um, not because there's any major rips that would make me not like it, it's just not worth a 10. <laughs> that's it it's not that complicated or anything but nonetheless it is a lot of fun it started off the um 
CGI that was where it did start something, which I'm glad they got through. It enabled us to have things like Lord of the Rings or even the Marvel movies. Um, we had uh, great acting, a fun story, and I think most of all is it was a good film for kids. It was one that the parents could literally turn on and not have to worry, what is my kid watching? Um, or is it going to have questionable content or something? It was just, kid goes off into space to save everybody from evil empire, evil alien bad guys. Okay, that's fine. That's okay. I'm not worried about that. Um, I mean, we okay try to overcomplicate things now on line and oh that glorifies war and blah 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 but um didn't really do that back then and we were able to have those nice things so i definitely give it an eight for that reason <clears throat> so bone 13 you may jump in and tell us what you thought about this film why you chose it and what did you think we said about it at our discord page and the general tab at Raving Logistic Media, or you sickies can also tune in on your thoughts about this. You can also tune in this week for ZTF coming the next episode, and we're glad to have that back in the saddle and soon to be released. I hope will be um, Casatorium, hopefully with a haunted elevator in there, but you know, we'll see. Uh, and then, of course, you can also comment or make suggestions for upcoming episodes that you would like us to cover that you're nostalgic for this month at www.stoponmysquishypinksensitivetentica. No, ravinglunaticmedia.com, ravinglunaticmedia.com, ravinglunaticmedia.com. Ragemaster, what's left for them to do? Stay sick, sickies.